I want to talk about the power of your praise and worship. The power of your praise and worship. I consider this an appetizer for tonight. We're going to gather in this place at 6 o'clock. Doors are open at 5.30. But we're coming for a season of worship. Not coming for a concert. Not coming to watch the praise team get us riled up and excited. I want to talk about the power of praise and worship. So when you come tonight, you're coming with a different expectation. You're coming with a different perspective on when we gather to worship, things begin to happen in our season of praise and worship. Did you know that your praise and your worship is very powerful and is a weapon that can unlock doors? It's a weapon that can close doors. It's a weapon that can break chains and bring healing and deliverance and cause the enemy to back up and take his hands off of you, take his hands off of your loved ones, take his hands off of what's happening in our community. It's through the power of praise and worship that you're in control. We're living beneath our privilege. We think that we just come and raise our hands and praise and do a little worship and go home. But you're missing the point. Praise and worship, it changes the atmosphere. Things happen when you praise and worship that will astonish you. And as we walk through this message, you'll see some examples of the power of praise and worship. The Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are they're not, they're not carnal, but warfare. They're not of the flesh, but they're of divine power to destroy strongholds. Strongholds. We have strongholds in our lives that need to be broken. We're walking around in bondage. We're walking around with our hands tied behind our back because strongholds keep us from being the best version of ourselves. Strongholds are keeping us from living our best life. Strongholds are keeping us from embracing all that God has for us because the devil is trying to hold us hostage about our past, about what we've done and, and things we haven't gotten over and things he wants to bring up to try to embarrass you. Strongholds that keep us from being at our very best. So we've got to understand that there is a war going on. And this war that's going on is not against that neighbor that's throwing garbage in your yard. It's not against that neighbor that's playing all that loud music. This war is not against the government. This war is not against other countries or criminals. This war is an invisible war. This war is against Satan, a.k.a. the devil. We're fighting against spiritual principalities. There's a spiritual war going on that you can't see with your natural eyes. But the devil is doing everything he can to destroy you and your family. He's trying to get rid of you. He's not just trying to maim you or hurt you or break your arm. He's trying to kill you. He is not happy with you and what you stand for and who you represent. Satan wants you to live a defeated life. And this is why God has given us two weapons Praise and worship. He can't stand to be in the same room when you praise and worship. 
When you're in the very presence of the Lord, Satan's got to go outside and wait till it's over. Because there's power in that praise. There's power in that worship. And he can't stand you. Because when you praise and worship, you remind him of what he once had. You remind him of where he used to live. You remind him of all the privilege and all the blessing he once had. But he got big head and thought he could be in charge. And God kicked him in a thousand, a third of the angels out of heaven that wanted to follow him. So when you begin to praise and worship, he gets a headache. When you begin to praise and worship, he has nightmares because he understands what he lost and he understands what his future looks like. Did you not know that Satan's future is going to be, he's going to be bound in the pit of hell forever and ever and ever and he knows what that looks like and because he hates God and because he hates you, he's trying to get as many to come and join him. But you got to say to the devil, that place is not my home. My home is up there with my father. A mansion not built with hands. I'm sending up timber every day. You can dream. What kind of mansion you want? 3,200 square feet? 5,200 square feet? You can dream about a mansion in heaven not made with hands. When you begin to praise and worship, it ushers you into the very presence of the Lord. And that's where I want to be. There are strongholds in our lives that we need to be free from. Strongholds are ways of thinking or thought that the enemy injects into a person. That individual starts believing the lies of the enemy and will then start acting out those lies and then after a while, what began as a thought, it becomes a stronghold. The enemy tells you, you're never going to amount to anything. And he just rehearses that in your mind over and over again. Then after a while, you start saying to yourself, maybe he's right. I'm not going to amount to anything. So you stop looking for a brighter future. You stop looking for that dream job. You stop looking for that dream home, just driving around, looking at those beautiful homes and what they would look like. And the devil's telling you, you're never going to get one of those. Why are you wasting your time? And then you stop dreaming. Strongholds that need to be pulled down. More importantly, spiritual strongholds are lies that the enemy constantly tried to flood your thought process with. Lies by the enemy that you hold to be true when you're fighting against spiritual strongholds. You're fighting against thoughts that hold an individual or your family or your community holding them bondage or holding them hostage. The devil realized that the mind of an individual is very powerful. Your mind is powerful. And if he wants to defeat a child of God, he knows that that battle is in his or her mind the mind is where we serve God in our mind and in our thought process. We serve him. He said, I'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is fixed and stayed upon him. So when the devil come at you, he's coming after your mind. He's coming after your thoughts. He's constantly running thoughts through your mind. 
I mean, pictures are just going all the way through, all kind of thoughts. You're watching CNN, you're watching Fox News. All these thoughts are going through your mind, and the devil is hoping that you hit pause on one of those thoughts. He just wants to flood your mind with hopelessness. He wants to flood your mind that this world is falling apart, and we focus on that, and then fear grips us. That becomes a stronghold. You can't sleep at night worrying about tomorrow and what tomorrow holds. Strongholds. Taking pills just to sleep. Strongholds. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not going to shadow box with the devil no more. I'm taking off the gloves. We're going to battle because the word tells me that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The devil would have you think that he has the advantage, but he doesn't. You have the authority. You have the power to defeat him in your mind. And that's what praise and worship comes in. It creates an atmosphere where the devil is out there with his arm folded. I wish they stop all that praising. I wish they stopped talking to God. I wish they would stop because I'm trying to get in there with some negative thoughts. But as long as you're praising and worshiping God, he's got to go down the street and go mess with somebody else. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. The enemy is threatened by the gifts and the calling that's on your life. Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to hurt you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. And that threatens the devil because he knows when you walk into what God has called you to, when you walk into embracing the anointing and the power that God has gifted you, Satan knows you're getting ready to tear his kingdom down. You're getting ready to tell the devil, take your best shot. I'm not going anywhere. You're getting ready to tell the devil, take your hands off my family, my children, and my neighbors. Take your hands off my body. I'm healed by his stripes. I am healed. Satan is threatened by what you're getting ready to do. He's upset that we're going to gather tonight. Because he's saying, if this many folks come into this building tonight at 6 o'clock, get on the same page on one accord and begin to worship and praise God, Satan is running scared. He's calling all his demon friends. You better nail stuff down because a spiritual tornado is getting ready to come through here and tear up this kingdom. That's what praise and worship does. That's what we're going to do tonight is begin to worship and praise God for everything we want him to do. He's afraid. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nation. He's talking to Jeremiah, but he's talking to each and every one of us. 
Even before you were in the womb, God said, I knew who you were. I knew what your skin color was going to be. I knew how many strands of hair you was going to have. I know when you were going to lose it all. I, I, I know everything about you. There's nothing about you that I don't know about. Why you were yet in your mother's womb. I need you to understand that I had a plan. I have a path and a purpose for each and every one of your lives. And as we become believers and find out what that path is, we embrace it and say, God, here am I. You knew this day would come. You knew I would be here. Every test, every trial that you find yourself in, it did not catch him by surprise. But there's a way of escape. You can say, I'm coming out of this because victory belongs to you. It belongs to us because heaven promised us that. Isaiah 26 and 3, he said, I'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because we trust in him. What is perfect peace? Getting up in the morning saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. That's going through your dead work, giving praise and giving thanks to God. Never saying amen because when you say amen, you're not ending the prayer. When you say amen, you're saying, God, you make it so. So you can spend the whole day, amen, that, amen, that, God make it so. I claim the victory in every area of my life. That's what praise and worship does. That's what he's saying. I'll keep you in perfect peace. Riding in your car, singing a song of praise, doing your devotions, keeping your word handy on your phone or in the Bible, whatever it is, your mind is focused on him. Praying over your children, praying over your spouse, praying over your community, praying over this country. I'll keep you in perfect peace when you're focused on the things of God. The word praise, it means the offer, offering of grateful homage in words or song or as an act of worship, a hymn of praise to God. One Hebrew word for praise is yada, meaning praise, to give thanks or confess. Praise is the expression we give to the worship that we live. Let me say that again. Praise is the expression to the worship that we live. So when I think about worship, worship is a state or an attitude of the spirit. Worship is a frame of mind. The natural Christian worship is from the inside out and has two equal parts or important parts of it, and that is spirit and truth. John 4 says this, but the hour is coming, and now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. True worshipers, spirit and truth. Look at your neighbor say, I'm a worshiper. Come on, look at that next neighbor. I'm a worshiper. True worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Worship is a little deeper than praise. Everyone can praise God. But not everyone can truly worship God. As when you worship, every part of your body is involved. Your mind 
is involved in the worship. Your body is involved. Your spirit is involved in the worship. Worship involves, it's the surrendering of our lives to him. We want to be worshipers. Romans 12 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your true worship or which is your reasonable service. God's saying, I want all of you. I want you to give me your body. What does that mean? I need you to take care of your body. I need you to get eight hours of sleep. I need you to drink eight glasses of water every day. I need you to exercise. I need you to take care of this vessel because it's the only one you got. I need you to give me you're worshiping me in your spirit. That's your fabric of who you are. And then in your mind that we are always on point. We are always available. We are always listening for that still small voice as he speaks to us about us, about his future for us. That's being a true worshiper. So you may ask the question, just how powerful is praise and worship? First of all, Worship pulls down the glory of God. Worship, it pulls down the glory of God. When you worship God, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people or he sits enthroned on the praises of his people. In other words, what God is saying that when you begin to praise God, you bring heaven down to where you are. When we gather tonight and begin to worship and praise, we're bringing heaven down into this place, into this sanctuary, that no matter what seat you sit in, you can feel his presence, you can feel his anointing, and you can worship, and you're entering to a relationship, that, that space that's reserved for just you and him. Even though we're collectively worshiping, you've got an individual audience with him. And then when you begin to worship, when you begin to praise, the Bible said, make known your request to him. What is it that you're asking of God? What's on your heart? What's, what have you been praying for all along? Family members, whatever it is. In that spirit of worship, you begin to Ask God, God, I need healing in my body. I need restoration. I need healing in my marriage, in my family, in my children. I need a job. I need just a peace of mind. I need to be able to have a good night's sleep. It's in that worship, that anointing, and that power that calleth those things that be not as though they were. You leave here tonight, boy, you can sleep like a baby tonight. <laughs> I mean, you, got, you better set your alarm clock because you might just sleep right through it. The power of worship and praise. God loves to be worshipped. Why should we worship? We worship because he commands us to worship. In fact, that is one of the reasons you were created. Man was created to worship God. But however, for God to inhabit uh, this place, for, him to, for us to pray and worship and bring him to this place, we got to be on one accord. You got to come in here tonight, not with your mind on what, what you got to do tomorrow, not about what you're going to eat tomorrow, what, what, what kind of bills you got, and you hate to go to work, co-workers getting on your last name, nerve. That's not how you come into worship. You leave all that stuff out at the door, and you come in here with a clear mind that we're all on one accord. We're all on the same page, and that's when we enter the presence of the Lord. We're on the same page. Second Chronicles 5 and 13 says this, As the trumpeters 
and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted their voices with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord saying, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. Then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by the reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Praise and worship, it breaks yokes and brings deliverance. When we're on one accord, his presence comes in, his anointing is there. I'm reminded of disciples. God told them, I need you to go to Jerusalem. I need you to go to the upper room. And there I need you to tarry. That means just wait, just be there and just begin to sing and, and create an atmosphere of worship and praise. I just need you to be in that room. And the Bible says when they got on the same page, when they were on one accord, that the Holy Spirit came in like a rushing mighty wind and it filled everybody in the house. When we come into this place on the same page, asking God to just open the windows of heaven and pour out a tremendous blessing upon each and every one of us, it's in that worship that yokes are broken, that prayers are being answered, healing will take place in that spirit of worship. So when you come into this place, you're coming in expecting the unexpected. You're expecting God to do something that you could not do. And when we come tonight, I believe God is going to move in our lives that you're going to leave here saying, it was good for me to have been there. One of the first things the enemy does when we are facing difficulties and going through our tests and our trials, he wants to play with your mind. He knows that the battle is either won or lost in the mind, playing tricks on your mind. He will come to you and tell you you're worthless, come to you and tell you you're never going to accomplish what you think you're going to accomplish, come to you and tell you that your present situation is not going to get any better than what it is now. You may as well forget it. You may as well just stop all that praying and just accept your faith. He wants to destroy you in your thinking and in your mind so that you can be defeated. But that's why the Bible says that the weapons God has given us are not of this world. They are not carnal. They're not weak or powerless, but they are powerful spiritual weapons given to us by God to demolish arguments and every pretension that, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He gives that authority to take authority over everything, every stronghold. We pull down the strongholds of the enemy. We tell the devil, there's no welcome mat in my home. There's no extra bedroom that you can stay in. You have been defeated, and I am victorious because Jesus Christ lives in my heart. He's 24-7 in my life, and I'm excited to be able to worship and praise his name. We learn of two men in the Bible who were arrested and put in jail. And you know the story of Paul and Silas. The Bible tells us that at midnight, of all times, at midnight, nothing happens good at midnight. You tell your kids, the teenagers, you need to be home before midnight because there's nothing out there that's good, that's going to work in your favor at midnight. My daddy would say at 10.30. Wasn't no midnight. We better be there, be in there for the sun go down good. No midnight. 
Nothing happens at midnight but trouble. But Paul and Silas, at midnight, they're in jail, not because they did anything wrong. They're in jail for preaching the gospel. They're in jail for telling the truth. They're in jail for proclaiming who Jesus is in their life. They're in jail for just telling their story. They could have sat there and had a pity party. How depressed they are, worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow, worrying about their situation. Their minds could have just been on them. But the Bible says instead of doing all of that, Paul probably looked at Silas and said, hey man, you got a song in your heart that the angels can't sing, that we've been redeemed and washed in the blood. The Bible said they began to sing a song. They began to praise and worship. And in that praise and worship, the Bible said a powerful earthquake shook the building. You know what happens when the earthquake comes? They tell you to get under the table, get under the door poles, and everybody could have been screaming out for help. But it shook the building. It probably cracked the foundation. And the Bible said, as they began to worship, something miraculously happened. Their chains and shackles fell off. But what I love about it, it just didn't fall off of them. It fell off of every prisoner in the building. Every prisoner was physically set free because they heard Paul and Silas begin to worship. And I can imagine those prisoners, they might not have known the song, but I believe they probably hummed the song. Hummed the song and it felt good to them. And the shackles fell off. Now just think about it. Sacramento Prison, downtown. Just think of all those doors open up and all those chains came off and the doors, electric doors just opened up. Guess what you think, what, what happened with those inmates? They're breaking for the front door. They're getting up out of there. You, they'll be saying, I don't know what happened, a miracle or whatever. What, all I know is I was locked up and now these doors open. They, they setting us free. They've been out there calling Uber. <laughs> trying to get a ride somewhere away from downtown. But when the guard realized after he had woken that the prison, the gates were open and the doors were open, he said to himself, I need to kill myself because my, 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 my job is over. And Paul and Silas shouted out and said, don't harm yourself. We still here. What took place? A miracle took place. Why didn't those prisoners leave? I believe they felt such an anointing. They knew something else happened spiritually because no one could have taken those shackles off. And I believe even though they were free in the, they were bound physically and got free physically, but I think something happened on the inside that changed their heart, that changed that something is new and something is different. We're going to hang here as long as Paul and Silas are hanging there. We're going to hang with them because I believe they have a story to tell that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That's what happened to them. That's what happens when you praise and worship. Third, we, worship, we receive breakthroughs by praising and worshiping God. One of the power or effect of our worship is that we can receive a breakthrough in our lives. When we learn to worship and when we learn to praise God, 
despite what you are facing. Sometimes we don't want to worship and praise because we're going through stuff. And we say in our mind, as soon as I come out of this, man, I'm coming back to church. As soon as I get a few nickels in my pocket, I'm coming back to church. We make all those promises. But when you are a true worshiper, when you can worship in the midst of your storm, when you can worship when things are not going right, when you can worship when you know you got an eviction notice, when you can worship when you know that your children have gone astray, when you can worship in that environment, that's true worship. Old song used to say, don't wait till the battle is over. Shout right now. Don't wait till your, your, your payday comes in. Shout right now. Give what you got. I believe God is saying to all of us, I need you to give me what you want to give me. Give it to me now. Well, Lord, I can do a little bit better. No, give me what you got for the cause of the kingdom. Give me what you got to make a difference in someone's life. Give me what you got. I was sitting at home looking over the, the video about the turkeys giveaway and giving food and giving turkeys and, and what it would cost to give a turkey. And I'm sitting there saying, I know I'm going to have a turkey, but somebody's not going to have a turkey. I just pulled out my phone and just started putting numbers in there. I'm going to give way beyond what they were asking me before because when I give, I'm giving to the kingdom. I'm giving to touch lives. I'm giving to make a difference in someone's life that I'll never know who got that turkey, but heaven just wrote that down. He keeps a record of all that we do and all that we say for the kingdom. So when you give what little you have, heaven says, I see that. Little is much when you put it in the master's hand. When we put our resources in his hand, he expands it and it begins to grow. As I said before, the enemy is not your friend. His job is to stop us from receiving what God has in store for us. But God is raising up an army who will not accept defeat. God is raising up an army that's saying, no longer will I allow the enemy to rob me of my dreams and rob me of my passion and rob me of my worship and my breakthroughs. I'm coming tonight because I want to be completely free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The Bible tells us that when Joshua and the children of Israel went into the promised land, they faced a fortified city of Jericho. And the walls was well fortified and well shut up. And there was no way for Joshua to breach those walls. They didn't have those big monster bulldozers that you can just run and knock the wall down. So how did God deliver Jericho into the hands of Joshua and the children of Israel? They started to praise God and they began to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times, praising and worshiping God, blowing those trumpets. And then on that seventh time around, the Bible says something happened. The walls began to come down. That lets me know that in our lives, you got to start walking around those walls seven times. You got to start praising God for your healing and your deliverance. Not just one day, not just two days, but however long it takes, God is a healer. God is one that says, I'll set you free. 
I'm not a respecter of person that what I've done for one, I will do for another. So you circle those walls in your mind. Day one, okay, I got six more days. Those walls are coming down, pulling down the strongholds, pulling down what the enemy meant for evil. God said, I'll turn it around for good. What the canker worms have eaten, God said, I'll give it back to you. What you think you've lost over time and years and, and progress, God said, I'll redeem the time and I'll give it all back to you because you haven't given up on the praise and the worship. Maybe you need a breakthrough. Maybe you need help in your marriage and your relationship. This COVID has destroyed marriages, caused problems and confusions, lack of communication. Used to be when everybody went to work, you didn't have a whole lot to talk about. You just come home, eat dinner, say a few words, and go to bed. But with COVID, you've been there 24-7, getting on each other's nerves, <laughs> trying to figure out what to say, and don't have anything to say. Kids getting on your nerves because they couldn't go to school. I mean, it was chaos in that house. Somebody would just say, I'm going for a walk. The dog said, no, I'm going for a walk because I can't stay here no longer. Listening to all of this, so it has messed up marriages and relationships. And so you need a breakthrough. You need some strongholds breaking, broken. Your finances are all jacked up. Your job is so-so. You can't work from home. You no, you need to come in. Can't find a babysitter. Nobody wants to work anymore. Can't get into the restaurant because they don't have any workers. It's chaos going on all around us. Got legal issues. Got all kinds of folks who want to sue you over this and over that. But all of that, when you begin to praise and worship, God said, I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll pour out a tremendous blessing that you won't have room to receive. What he said, I'm going to give you so much, you're going to have to give it away. You're going to have to give it to a friend and give it to a neighbor because your cup is going to overflow. Fourthly, it brings deliverance from demonic oppression. The Bible tells us that King Saul was tormented by evil spirits, 1 Samuel 16. That is what happens when the Spirit of God leaves you. The door is open for the spirit of depression and oppression to torment you. When you decide to say, you know what? I'm done with church. I'm done with all of this. I'm done with the, the government. I'm leaving the town. I'm, I'm just done with it all. And you walk away from under the covering of God's presence and God's anointing. And when you step out into that open space where the devil says, I have a right to you now because you're no longer abiding on the covering of the Holy Spirit. And that's when the enemy comes in and attack you, your mind, oppression. You walk through depression and, and so many things are happening because the enemy is trying to get at you. If the enemy can't get you, then he want to get somebody close to you. And that's why we cover our families in prayer. We cover our homes in prayer. I walk through the neighborhood and cover my neighborhood in prayer. That's what this is all about is understanding that it's through the praise and worship that yokes are broken. That the enemy has to take his hands off of everybody that's connected to you. I want you to understand that the spirit of depression and stress, the spirit of heaviness that will attack a child of God, but we have the power to say no. We have the power to tell the devil to back down. 
We have the power to tell the devil, you can't touch anybody that's connected to me or mine. You have that authority and you have that power to do that. Finally, praise and worship, it brings down judgment upon your enemy. It brings down the judgment of God upon your enemy. When you praise and worship God, angels start fighting on your behalf. In the Bible, angels are the hands of God doing his work on earth by sending messages and providing guidance and protection and yes, even going to battle on your behalf. Psalms 34 reminds us, for instance, it reminds us that the angels of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and delivers them. Yes, the angels are battling on your behalf. There's a war, that spiritual war that the angels... I go to bed at night. I say, Father, I need you to cover my house with your presence, with your anointing from door to door, window to window. I need those war angels to protect my house, to do battle when I'm sleeping, when I'm not aware. Those angels are protecting you. When you say, I almost had an accident, you didn't just almost had an accident. Just some angels stepped in there and kept their car from hitting you and hitting your car. The angels are assigned to you to protect you. Jesus said to his disciples, I know I've got to leave and I'm going back to my father, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you a company keeper, a mind regulator. Send somebody that will remind you of who I am, the gift of the Holy Spirit that will bring things to your remembrance. When you want to act up, the Holy Spirit say, calm down. When you want to give somebody a piece of your mind, Holy Spirit say, not today. <laughs> That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Jesus is on the right-hand side of the Father. He's not down here. He's up there. But the Comforter is here. He's there to walk with us and talk with us. I get in my car, put on my seatbelt. I look over on the other side. It's the Holy Spirit, you in there? Get your seatbelt on. I don't want to go nowhere without the Holy Spirit. That's what keeps me focused. Praise and worship. I want to live in that. Worship is your identity. It's who you are. You are a worshiper. And when you get to heaven, guess what you're going to be doing? Worshiping. Giving him praise, honoring him. That's what the angels are doing right now. Holy, holy is the Lamb. That's their job, is to be worshipers. God is saying there's power in your praise and there's power in your worship. Maybe you're here this afternoon and say, you know what? After listening to that message, I can do better. We all can raise our hands and say, I can do better. I can spend a little bit more time in my prayer. Spend a little bit more time in my devotion. Spend a little more time just sitting and worshiping. Not complaining, not giving God a, a to-do list. But says, God, I just want to thank you. I just want to be in your presence. I just want you to bring heaven down to where I am. Maybe you say, God, that's me. I can do better. Maybe you're here and you didn't even make a decision yet to become a Christ follower. Maybe you're sitting at home and you've not made that decision to become a Christ follower. 
The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you can have this eternal life. And that's a simple prayer that you say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me for all of my wrongdoing. Forgive me for not saying yes to your will. I believe that you died and you rose again for me. You know my name. And today, I'm saying yes to your will. If you prayed that prayer, for those of you who are in the building, there's a I've Decided card in the seat back in front of you. You can fill that out and just take it to the lobby. Someone would want to connect with you. And if you don't have a Bible, we want to give you one. And if you're online, all you got to do is text Jesus, 916-884-5756. I leave you with this thought. Praise is a payment on things yet to come. It is also an installment on things already received. When I praise and I worship, I'm expecting miraculous things to happen. But when I praise and worship, I'm thanking him for what he's already done in my life. God has a plan and a purpose for all of our lives. And he's saying, I need you to find out what that is and embrace it with all of your heart. He wants us to be the best version of ourselves. He's telling us that our best life is yet to come. But we've got to enter into that space of praise and worship and understand the power, the authority, and the responsibility that comes with that. Worship team is coming back with another song that we can enter in. And again, this is just to prep us for tonight. I believe something miraculously is going to happen in all of our lives tonight as we enter into worship. Let's receive the worship team.